I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant You, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. This week, we made a very difficult announcement that our ninth annual in-person Camp Plant Stock event in Black Mountain has been canceled for this summer. It's beyond sad for us to think about missing uh, the event this year, but I want you all to know that the Plant Strong Events team, we are working so hard right now to bring everyone the opportunity to join from home this year. And we're going to offer you a sneak peek just for our podcast listeners. We're going to be broadcasting live from August 14th to the 16th, right from the Esselstyn family farm. That's right, where it all began back in 2011. We can't wait to give you all a front row seat to this all-access weekend extravaganza. Stay tuned. We have a bunch to share with you, and I'm looking forward to sharing a weekend of great food, great rock and roll stars, and lots of fellowship with each and every one of you. I'll be announcing all the details very soon. Welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. I want to start out by letting you know how pumped up I was at the response of last week's episode with Chef Ken Rubin. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing photos and the delicious results of buying new ingredients, cooking together as a family, and making some of the recipes that Ken uh, Ken and I talked about on the podcast. It was gratifying to know how many of you are jumping in and taking action in the kitchen and firing up the stovetop. I want this channel to continue to be a beacon of light in your life for respect and love. 
not just for yourself, but for each other. And we've decided to keep that momentum going this week with another chef. His name is Chef Del Srof. If his name isn't familiar, his work will absolutely be. He's authored Forks Over Knives, The Cookbook, The China Study, Quick and Easy Cookbook, The China Study, Family Cookbook, and Better Than Vegan, which is the story of his struggle with weight loss and gain and how he managed to lose over 200 pounds on a whole food, low-fat, plant-based diet. Now, not only does Dell share some of his favorite practical cooking tips for common staples uh, in the kitchen like beans, potatoes, veggie stock, and even um, some low-fat recipes for delicious cheese substitutes and guacamole, but he also talks openly about his continuing struggles with health and, and weight loss. Like many of us, Dell has fallen victim to overstress, overeating, and finding comfort in the wrong foods. I'm sure that this sounds familiar for, for many of us. He's in the middle of his own personal reset, just like so many of you might be. So let's do it together with love and empathy. His transparency may just be what we need to help us all right now. I want to welcome Chef Del Schroff to the Plant Strong podcast. Del, you and I, you know, I first met you back in 2009, believe it or not. 2009, I got invited to the Wellness Forum uh, by Pam Popper to come talk about the, uh, the release of my first book, yeah. Engine 2 Diet. And that's when I first met you, wonderful, um, wonderful, gentle, appreciative uh, Dell. And uh, you were in the kitchen, if I'm not mistaken. And I think you were sitting there with your Crocs on, you're out, you're kind of your chef outfit on, and you had a, uh, I think it was a, some sort of a grater. I think you were grating lemons or oranges, making zesting, zesting. And uh, I just remember the, the minute I met you, I was like, this is a very special man. And you had a, such a special, special attitude toward, towards life as well and your profession. Um, I remember, I have a picture of you and Pam and I in that kitchen. And um, the one thing I remember is I remember I made one of your recipes. I think your mac and cheese. Yes, 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 yes. And you accused me of changing your recipe because you said it tasted better than yours. <laughs> well, it, now knowing what I know about you now, it doesn't surprise me. Not, <laughs> in, not, not in the least. But so um, before we get into some, so what I want to do with you today, Dell, is I want to talk about some of the cookbooks that you've written, some of the successes that you've had with those. Then I'd love for our audience to hear about some of your kind of your, your, your tips and your tricks when it comes to cooking techniques. And I'll, I'll serve those up uh, for you. And then on the tail end, I'd love to talk about, you know, personally, uh, your, the path that you've been on, some of the struggles that you've had uh, with, with eating and maybe with your health and how other people that I'm sure that are out there 
are going through the same struggles and, uh, and, and what advice you might have for them by sharing your story. So sure. let me launch in by asking you this question, Dell. So you've written, if I'm not mistaken, four different cookbooks. Is that correct? Maybe more, right. but I'm going to say four. I'm going to, let me list them off for you. You wrote the Forks Over Knives cookbook, the China Study Family Cookbook, the China Study Quick and Easy Cookbook, and Better Than Vegan Cookbook. Does just, you got <laughs> does just me saying those make you exhausted? <laughs> yes, it does. Well, and, I, and, and, and if you know the story about even the Forks Over Knives Cookbook, I had 90 days to write that manuscript. So from the time I signed the contract to the time I turned it in, 300 recipes in 90 days. I find that hard to believe. But it explains a lot of what we'll talk about later. <laughs> about <laughs> my with health. Um, but, and I was yeah. writing, I was writing another, I was writing better than vegan when they approached me about forks over knives. So I set that aside and, and dove into that cookbook. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. That's four cookbooks in four years. Well, that, yeah, that's insane. And um, of all those cookbooks, I would imagine the one that has done, has probably sold the best. It may not be your favorite, but the one that sold the best has been the Forks Over Knives cookbook, over 300 recipes. I mean, Dell, I, I want to set this up. You've got over 4,276 ratings, right? Uh, for that right. cookbook. You wrote that thing August 2012. It is consistently in the top 100, 200 of all books on Amazon. How did that book and the success of that book change your life? Oh, com uh, completely. Um, you know, imagine, I, I never really thought about the possibility that a book like that would be successful. I can see selling cookbooks and using it as a platform for teaching, which I love doing and all that. But never did I foresee that it would be this springboard for a career in public speaking. Yep. For the amount of teaching that I get to do and for actually taking the time off eventually um, to explore other possibilities. I mean, it, it's still, um, is my, my, my base income and allows me to do a lot of different things, including taking this time now to work on my own health. So I never, who, who knew, right? <laughs> Even Brian and I talked, Brian Wendell, who, yeah. who is co-owner of uh, Forks Over Knives, we talk uh, once a year, we're like, who knew? We, we both sit there and sort of laugh about it. Well, it is really phenomenal. And um and I think that the success that you've had, I, I want people to know that, you know, what you did there is you hit gold and, and not many books that are written have that kind of success. I would say it's less than 0.05% of all books do what that book did. Yeah, 37 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. 37 <laughs> weeks for a first time author. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think it's, a, I wrote a good cookbook, but I also think that uh, Forks Over Knives is an amazing marketing machine. Yep. And I think the timing and the whole movement was right for what we were putting out there. You know, people are watching that movie and going, well, what do I do now? 
you know, and it still is a book that people are giving to other people yeah. once they yeah. see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've got it right here in front of me. I've, I've got it on the, uh, the, the, the Kindle version. So what I, what I want to do now for our listeners is just give them some great takeaways when it comes to, to cooking uh, and just some of the basics. So I'm going to throw out some, hopefully these are like, you know, nice lobs for you to swing at. But the first one is, you know, especially now that everybody's quarantined, we're at home, people are cooking a lot more. I find that veggie stocks are very, very important. In fact, you know, as you know, I've got a line of food products uh, that's currently sold exclusively at Whole Foods. Our best selling product of everything is the veggie stock, right? Right. And so I'm wondering, like, what would you tell people? What's the best way to make your own basic veggie stock? Well, I, let's, the, the popularity of veggie stocks might be because of all the classes I teach, the number one best-selling cooking class is soups class. Whoa. Okay. More of that than any other class. So people have this affinity for soups. Um, but having said that, when I teach that class, I always tell people, look, don't go out and buy a whole bunch of ingredients just for your veggie stock. Start with the recipe that you're going to make and see what are the trimmings that you can use there for that. Mm. Or cooking other meals throughout the week. So, for example, if you cook um, garbanzo beans from scratch and aren't going to make aquafaba, which is a whole other conversation, you yeah. can take that broth and make that the starter for your veggie stock for the week. Great flavor, uh, you know, really neutral, blah, 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 do whatever you want with it. Throw that and take all of your onion trimmings when you're cooking throughout the week and your carrot trimmings, put those in a bag, throw them in the freezer if you want to. Yeah. And then once a week you pull them out and throw them in, into your vegetable stock and you're good to go. So what, what would you say are like, what are the basic ingredients that every veggie stock should have? Onions, carrots, celery are my top three. Yep. Leeks are good, potato trimmings, um, parsley, bay leaf, garlic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I always throw in um, a handful of green lentils into my vegetable stock. It just gives it a little bit of a richness that makes it nice. So you do the green lentils right in the beginning and just let it kind of... Because you're going to cook them for about an hour and that's long enough to cook out the lentils and, and pull out their flavor. Ah, that's, that's, that's really cool. And what you don't want to put into your veggie stock, avoid putting things like your, your spices and herbs in at the beginning because they tend to get bitter um, when they sit in there. So save those for, and, and, and by doing that, you keep your soup flavor or your stock flavor neutral and then adaptable to whatever you're going to make with it. I like it. I like it. Veggie stock. Veggie stock. Home, home run, baby. <laughs> now, so I don't know if I heard this quote from you or my mother, Anne, or if it was Julia Childs that said this, uh, or Chef AJ, right? But everything starts with an onion, okay? I'm right there. Are you right there? You agree with that? Yeah. All right. And, and in part because when you – so this whole way of cooking is about getting rid of the oil. It, it used to be that everything started with butter or oil, right? We yeah. sauteed everything in that, and, and we, we don't do that anymore. So 
you're you're looking to build layers and layers of flavor and onions are just a great way to start that whole thing off yeah and so if that's the case um what would you say is the what's the best way to caramelize an onion because that's typically what you know one of the first things that we want to teach somebody right yeah, well, it used to be that we would take our onions and put them in a pan with oil and then just let it cook down for hours or however long we wanted to let it cook down, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Uh, but you can do the same thing without the oil. So you chop up your onions, you throw them in the pan, and then put a lid on it in the beginning. And what that does is steam those onions yeah. so they don't stick to the pan. Check on them every now and then to make sure that you're, you've got your heat not too high. Medium, low heat stir it every now and then and then leave them alone until they turn that color you want to turn them and they'll, they'll get there. So you don't, so you don't want to maybe start on medium low, let them kind of like seep out a little bit and then go up to like high for two minutes. That's what I always do. Is that a mistake? You don't need to. I mean, I think patience is the key with them. It's yeah. one of the things, it's like cooking rice or cooking beans. Yeah. Put them on there and leave them alone. Right. Right. Uh, so, Sautéing. You mentioned sautéing. Uh, what's what's the difference between a, like a, a dry versus a water sauté? Uh, well, my dry water, my dry sauté is a water sauté. It's just that I don't add the water in the beginning. And the advantage of that, when you're using high water content vegetables like onions and carrots and celery, etc., mushrooms even, um, you don't need that water in the beginning. Uh, once they start cooking, those vegetables will release water on their own and sort of protect themselves from the burning pan. So that yeah. that water comes out, you start concentrating the flavor, and that's what you want to do, is, is, is pulling the water out concentrates the flavor in those vegetables. And then if you need to, you can add a, a tablespoon or two full of water to the pan towards the end of cooking, right. uh, to keep them from sticking, but only if you need to. Sometimes when you have a lot of vegetables in the pan, you can do that whole thing without adding any water. Yep, yep. Let me, let me, let's talk about beans for a second. Um, do you like beans? Yeah, you, you can't do this without them. I, I mean, you can, but life is a lot easier yeah. to manage hunger uh, with, with beans in the world. Yeah, so do you, um, do, A, do you have a favorite bean personally? Um, my top three, probably chickpeas up there, number one. Um, and then I eat a lot of black beans just because I do. And yeah. then uh, cannellini beans. I love. Uh -huh. Great flavor. Creamy bean. Yeah. Flavor. So I'm surprised you, you picked chickpea as your number one. I find chickpea is, is such a, to me, it's such a vanilla kind of, I don't know. I'm going to say boring. You know, I think of hummus and I think of. But it's very versatile, for it's sure. Yeah, it's not the bean. It's what you do with it. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? That's the key. Well, enough that allows you to have that versatility in the same way cannellini beans are. You, you can do anything with either of those beans that you want to. That's kind of the joy of it. Whereas a black bean starts to get a little bit more particular yeah. in its flavor and, and its outcome. So a whole different conversation. So... With beans, uh, are you a snob as far as, do you ever use canned beans or is that like sacrilege? <laughs> I, um, I'm, I do use canned beans. 
and I, I'll tell you why, I live alone. So, you know, the idea of cooking a big pot of beans that I may or may not eat, it just seems kind of uh, silly. Although you, you can make a big pot of beans and then freeze part of them if you want to do that. Yeah. Um, I think it's nice to have, I, I do both. So I do cook from dry. And then um, I have canned beans on hand just for that convenience factor. I, you know what? It's whatever makes this easier. Right. Is what we're all about, right? And there's nothing unhealthy about canned beans. Yep. Yep. Do it. When we buy canned beans, we typically try and opt for the no salt added canned beans. Oh yeah. Oh, I think you. I think you always want to opt for no salt so that you can control how much you add to your food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to cooking beans, let's say I'm not going to go the can route. I want to cook my beans, get a lot of flavor out of them. Uh, do you have any like tips or suggestions for cooking beans? Well, it's funny. My, my 93-year-old dad, um, what, we learned how to cook together when my parents got divorced. And a big pot of beans was one of those first things that he learned how to cook. And back then it was your, your beans, your bay leaf, and this big old chunk of ham hock. So I, I don't cook with a ham hock anymore, but whenever I cook beans and take them over to him, he's, he, he always has a, a little chunk of meat in the refrigerator that he adds to his. <laughs> just way, but I, th I think beans, um, I do think there's some advantage to soaking your beans overnight and then pouring off that water and starting with fresh water. Yep. Um, I often add, especially for like my chickpeas and my white beans, I'll take half an onion and I'll put a couple of um, whole cloves studded into the uh, onion and put that into the pot along with a bay leaf and then um, some fresh parsley or a sprig of thyme just to season those be beans. Uh, and then let them cook as long as they take and then take out those little things that you added in there. I love that little trick. That is, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Those, those little nuanced, you know, Chef Del tricks child for you right there. Yeah, okay. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, good. Well, let's give her credit where credit, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so beans, if I'm in a hurry, if I'm in a hurry, but I want to cook my beans, I don't want to, but I don't want to do the overnight thing so much. Is there a, uh, is there a trick there? There's the, 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 the quick, um, what do they call that? The, the quick soak method is to put your beans on uh, with water and you usually want three times the amount of water as you have beans. Okay. Bring that to a boil, turn it off and let it sit for an hour, drain that water off, start with fresh water and then go ahead and cooking as usual. Huh. Got it. And so that, that, that boiling it for an hour or whatever, that really helps to helps them along. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Having said that, I've also cheated and just thrown a pot into the thing with water and let them cook, um, until they're done. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not against the whole cheating thing. Yeah. So, Dell, you're going to have, for dinner tonight, I'm just going to say you're going to have uh, your chickpeas, however, however you want them, over some sort of a grain. What grain are you going to pick? What's, what's like one of your top, top one, top two grains? I'm, uh, you'll, always find brown, you'll always find brown basmati rice in my, uh, my cabinet, and then you'll find quinoa. Uh, number three would be millet. Now, I don't, I don't eat millet as a side dish as much, but I have a lot of recipes I use it for. But uh, quinoa is great because it's 15 minutes from stove to dinner. Yes. 
you need that last minute finish, you have it to go. But I, you know, I've grown up with brown rice. I've, I've eaten it uh, most of my life and it's kind of my, my, my go-to buddy. Yeah. Brown rice is, it's, it's very, um, it's very familiar. Right. Um, what, what about, what do you think of like, one of the things that I, I, I've been cooking just the last two weeks and I've had it probably four times in the last two weeks is pearl barley. I find barley to be just, it's got a really nice texture and flavor. I, I've never been a fan. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. I've cooked with it. Um, you know, there's some barley recipes in, in the Forks Over Knives cookbook. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's a very Eastern European grain, yeah. uh, but it, it has its fans for sure. I get asked that question a lot. People are like, what, what about barley? Why don't you use barley? I'm like, oh. <laughs> Right. What about farro? You feel the same way about farro? Um, I make a wonderful um, uh, jambalaya with farro um, that I like a lot. It's, uh, it's a great dish I've eaten. It's a chewy grain. You want to you wanna slow down the eating process as you eat some farro, right? You're going to yeah. chew that for a while. My, um, my mother, Anne makes a uh, a farro uh, salad that oh it's so it's so nice i've made one too with dried cherries and orange juice and orange zest yes shallots ann and i are simpatica by the way we um we have a lot of the same taste in food i think i think you do too I could and it, with your mother and let her cook for me any day <laughs> Well, that, that, that farro dish that you just talked about, that sounds like a really nice summer dish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and in fact, this time of year, I don't have air conditioning in my house, so you, you don't see much cooking going on. Um, it's all about the salads right now. And yep. beans and grains are great foundations for salad because they're so filling. Yeah. So when it comes to grains, what are your, what are your thoughts on these one or two minute frozen you know, rice or quinoas that that you can buy and then, you know, throw in the microwave or in a saute pan? I have no problem with them. I, I use them as long as they, uh, you have to watch out and make sure they don't have any added oil. Right. Uh, it's one of the only issues I have that you, you, you want to look out for. But I use them. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're perfectly fine. Yeah. 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 Any easier, uh, as long as they're not, you know, making, as long as they're not unhealthy um, yeah. for it. We reached out to our friends at Wild Earth to provide us with more details about the best diet for dogs. And the truth is, like us, dogs have evolved over the millennia to not only enable them to digest plant-based starches, but to thrive on foods that include a wide variety of ingredients, including fruits and vegetables and herbs, grains, meats, poultry, fish, and more, making them true omnivores. So when you're trying out some of Chef Dell's new recipes for potatoes and grains, know that Wild Earth Dog Food is also providing the same healthy, clean protein and high fiber goodness in their dog food formula. We applaud the team at Wild Earth for redefining healthy food for our canine friends. Try a bag today and save 40% off your first order please visit wildearth.com or amazon.com and use the code plantstrong, one word. 
so you gave us that cool that cool little little trick with the you know the, the onion with the garlic inside that you put in there with the bay leaf in the um, with the beans. Any particular tricks when it comes to like rice or quinoa? Two of your favorites. Well, I, I, you know, I, I would say there's you, know, you talk about building flavor. Um, you know, water tends to dilute flavor. Your vegetable stock tends to create flavor. So why not cook your grains with vegetable stock? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. I like that. Yeah, why not cook them with your vegetable stock? You can add in, you can do that same onion and clove thing or other uh, spices. You know, in, in Persia, the whole art of, um, what's the name of the dish? A pilaf. Yeah. It originated is about they would toast the rice in oil with other spices. Mm. You can do something similar. You don't want to toast an oil-free rice for too long because it, it makes it too chewy and won't cook. But you can toast your spices that you add to it and, and still have a, a, a lovely, flavorful dish. Yeah. You know, I had an old, an old girlfriend. She actually helped with the recipe section of the Engine 2 diet. Um, and she, God, she loved to cook, but she would take like, uh, basmati rice and she'd put it in a warm skillet until it started to pop. And then she'd add the water. She'd add the frozen corn, the frozen, you know, carrots, uh, beans. And so all that kind of cooked together in one big skillet. Yeah. That's yeah. a classic, per, uh, classic, uh, pilaf technique in, in, in Indian cooking as well. Uh, mm. Building on flavor. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to do when we're not using, you know, all the salt and all the oil and all the, you know. I think that's the key is, is looking for other ways to make flavor happen that are healthful and not hurtful. Healthful, not hurtful. You heard it from, from, from Chef Dell. I like it. Let me ask you this, because just like you said earlier, like, you know, beans, you know, whew, man, you got to, you know, if you're, if you're not eating the beans, this, this, this could be a, this could be a tough lifestyle. What about potatoes? What's look, your, what's, what's you your know, take on potatoes? Look, they've identified populations around the world that get the majority of their calories from potatoes and sweet potatoes. The Okinawans get 67% of their calories from sweet potatoes. Yeah. Dr. Popper's identified a group that gets over 90% from sweet potatoes. Yeah. So obviously you can survive and thrive on that food, as Dr. McDougall would gladly say to us, right, if he were here. Yes. They're, they're, they're not the demons. That's the problem is we demonize foods that don't deserve demonizing. Potatoes are not the problem. They really are a good foundational food, especially if you don't like beans. Yeah. Right? So, if, yeah. So, if, I mean, like, I agree with you 100%. In our house, you'll always find – Yukon gold potatoes, sweet potatoes, you know, russet potatoes. Do you have a favorite potato that you like to um, cook with or eat? I always have russets in the house. They just always seem to be the, the standard that I grew up with. And I'll tell you why. When I was um, in school, I wasn't vegetarian when I was in college, but I ate a lot of vegetarian food because it was so cheap. So I would eat a big pot of curried lentils, but I would also buy potatoes because you can buy a 10-pound bag of even organic potatoes for under $4 on sale sometimes, 40 cents yeah. a pound, right? $4 is an organic bag of potato chips that yeah. I could eat in about 40 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> right? So potatoes, 
man, they're, they're just a powerhouse on all kinds of levels. Yeah. And they take on whatever you want to do with them, they do. So what are some of your favorite ways of cooking potatoes, creating, you know, some sort of a potato dish? Let's go back to the, the basic um, soup dish. Potato leek soups is one of those easy, easy soups that take no time or effort to make. Um, you take a three or four leeks and you want to rinse them and, and, and slice through them and then rinse them out, cut off the dark green parts of it, and then chop up the rest. Put that into your pan. Um, let that saute a little bit. You'll need a little bit of water to saute those. Let that saute. Add a, a little bit of thyme to that, some dried thyme yep. or fresh. And then add your, your diced potatoes and your vegetable stock and let that cook for 25. 30 minutes until the potatoes are tender, season with salt and pepper, and you're good to go. That sounds right. Yes. yes. And it's adaptable. Uh, this time of year when corn is in season, we'll throw some corn in there. A red bell pepper would go in there just as well and give you a little bit of a variety. So it's an easy soup to do. Yeah. And oven roasted potatoes. Now the oil-free potatoes, they're so easy. One one of my tricks is you always want to parboil them first. All right. You parboil them and then you rough them up a little bit. So let me, let me ask you, stop, time out, time out. For when you say parboil, what does that mean? You're going to take your potatoes and, and, and cube them or dice them or whatever you want to do and put them in water to cover and bring that to a boil and let it cook for two, three minutes. Okay just to start the cooking process. And then you're going to take them, uh, drain the water off, put them into a bowl. And again, you'll take a fork and kind of rough them up. And it's that roughing up that little crags and, yeah. and things that are going to caramelize and give you flavor. Okay. So then you can season that salt, pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, paprika, Throw that onto a sheet pan and let it bake until brown and crispy. What 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 temperature do you like? 350. Keep it. Don't go too hot. And I, I tell you what, you got to be careful. Like 350 is a good temperature because with oil-free foods go from cooked to overcooked really easily and not in a fun way. The yeah. texture changes and and all that, and it's not as good. Right. Um, what about if I'm just gonna do so, like a simple baked potato do you do you like cover it in aluminum foil and throw it in the oven or what do you think um no i i tend to poke, poke mine with a couple of with the fork a few times so it doesn't explode throw it in the rack and then throw it in the oven and then we're good to go mm. um and then you know what you do with a baked potato is up to you um i i have taken them on the road with me um when i'm traveling three or four hours um, just to have something to keep hunger at bay. Um, but generally, I tend to like toppings for my baked potato. I like a baked potato bar, is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. So, and that can be anything you want. You know, I, I make, um, I put black bean chili on it sometimes. Um, I make a broccoli bisque and serve over that sometimes. You know, or a good roasted corn and red pepper salsa. You know, so there's all kinds of ways to dress up. It's a blank slate, you know, so make it into whatever you want it to be 
and uh, have at it. Yeah. Well, in the, in the show notes for this, we'll have to put in some of these recipes. Because <laughs> sure. it's, it's making my mouth water right now thinking about it. Cause, and I haven't had lunch yet. Uh-oh. I, I did have my big salad a little bit just before you came on. Nice. Nice. Let me ask you, first let me say, Del, I can't, you're such a wealth of knowledge. It's so fun talking to you right now. What about, what do you think of squashes? Whether it's, you know, butternut, acorn, uh, kombucha, and what are, you, what are your thoughts on those and then cooking them? Squashes are the uh, holy trinity in American foods. Squash, beans, and corn are, are what our, um, uh, of the people who lived here before us gave to us as a gift. And, you know, they, they really are a gift because squash is one of those foods that will keep you through the harsh winter. Mm. You have, and if you have a, a cool um, place in the basement to store them, you can throw that, that butternut squash, those heavy, heavy, thick winter squashes down there, and they'll get you through the winter into spring. Having said that, they're you know quite versatile. You have your summer squashes like zucchini um, that are great for a quick saute or for adding into your salads and the like. And then you have uh, like your kombucha, or not kombucha, your uh, uh, butternut squash and acorn squash and all those, which are perfect for stews and casseroles and things like that throughout the winter. Yeah. Uh, hearty, hearty food. Now, when you, when you cook like a butternut or an acorn, do you slice it in half and then put it on the parchment paper, you know, in the oven? Or what do you, how do you cook those? Um, slice your, take a butternut squash or your acorn squash and just cut it in half and scoop out the seeds. Yep. seeds because you can clean those and toast them. Mm. I always want to season that, that scooped out place. So I'll take a, a couple of sage leaves and a couple of cloves of garlic and, and put up under there and set that down on top of, uh, of, of that and let it cook so that you, you steep that flavor into your squash. Mm, mm. And then you want to add a little bit of water to the pan usually, uh, maybe a half inch of water just so that they don't, they don't burn too easily. And let it go sometimes half hour, 45 minutes or an hour, depending on the squash. Got it. Size. So you're not putting down parchment paper. You're putting in the water and then... I like the water better, yeah. Yeah, got it, got it, like it. Uh, what about, so vegetables. I find that one of the keys to making, for me personally, making vegetables really over the top palatable, um, especially the ones that work, are roasting them. I find it brings out their flavor. Uh, are you a fan of roasting veggies? And what, what veggies do you like to roast? I do like roasting vegetables and... Um... I tend to be, you know, I, I think sometimes I need to widen my own view of the world of vegetables because I find myself cooking the same ones over and over again. If there were only one vegetable in the world, I would hope that it's Brussels sprouts. Really? Oh, yeah. I know that I'm the minority there, but I, love, I eat Brussels sprouts every day. And roasted, they're, they're just amazing. But um, onions, carrots, potatoes, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower. Peace. Beets are delicious roasted, and oil frees a little bit more of a challenge, but what I tend to do is to make up a, a really light marinade, and a, and a really good friend of mine, um, and one of my, my catering clients does this. She uses apple juice as part of the marinade for her roasted vegetables. 
And what happens is just enough apple juice in the bottom of that pan as it cooks down and concentrates, caramelizes your vegetables. So now, now I'm a little confused. Let me tell you why. Because whenever, it's- whenever I think of roasting vegetables, I think of putting them on the, on the parchment paper. And now you're saying you also put down some apple, a little bit of applesauce down on top of the parchment paper? Juice. That, that's what I, that's, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's the apple juice, um, and it's not a lot, but it's enough that when, again, it evaporates, and the natural sugars that are left over help to caramelize your vegetables. I like that a lot. Hmm. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm singing your song when it comes to the Brussels sprouts. I, too, love roasted Brussels sprouts. It's my favorite favorite way to eat them. Uh, You can't go wrong. Yeah. And then what, what do you do as far as seasoning with your Brussels sprouts? Um, I'm sometimes just a salt and pepper guy, but um, okay. sometimes a little bit of nutritional yeast if I want it. But yeah, I don't need much. Right. All right. Let's, let's move on. Let's talk about cheese substitutes. What? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, um, do you have any favorite cheese substitutes besides kind of like, you know, the typical nutritional yeast or ground cashews? I have two. Yep. Um, I have two recipes that I created for maybe two different cookbooks. I make a, I make my own mock Parmesan. Ooh. And it uses toasted sesame seeds and toasted cashews and nutritional yeast. Yep. And I'll grind, I'll toast those and grind them all up um, with salt um, and use that, and and use that as a, 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 a Parmesan cheese topping. It's really good. Um, and the other, and I'll if you want to put the rest, post the recipe. Is my absolute favorite cheese sauce is one that I created using potatoes as the base. Yep. And I I found this recipe online, and the original recipe had a half a cup of oil, and then another half a cup of uh, cashews in it. And I thought, oh my God, I could never make that just with all that fat. So I made my version has no oil, uh, two tablespoons each of roasted cashews, no, of raw cashews and, uh, uh, and tahini, and then some peppers and um, nutritional yeast, and it's delicious. So like what, you mean, you mean like um, red bell peppers or green bell peppers? A quarter cup of red bell pepper, uh, two tablespoons each of uh, cashews and tahini, and then three or four tablespoons of um, nutritional yeast and a pinch of lemon juice, and then your potatoes. And you boil your potatoes with your cashews, throw all that into a blender and puree it, season it with salt to taste, and uh, it, it'll, knock, uh, it'll knock almost any cheese sauce I've tried off the market, in part because it's much cheaper to make your own than to buy it. Yeah, it's much healthier. So I make everything from mac and cheese, fajitas. Um, oh, what else do I do with that? Just a little bit of on your plain baked potato, right? Broccoli cheese, broccoli and rice casserole. How can you how can you remember all these recipes and these quantities? Especially, it sounds to me like you. I could be wrong, but when I'm not in 
in there doing something, you know, day after day, if I take like a couple months break, you know, it seems to kind of leave me a little bit. And it sounds like you've taken a break. I mean. Yeah. Well, I, there are probably recipes that I'd, I would have to go and look up to yeah. make them, but there are recipes that, um, yeah. you know, I was in a, a commercial kitchen cooking since 1989 until two years ago. And yeah. so, you know, like, and, and I owned a bakery for four years. Uh, and unfortunately, I could bake you a cake without even measuring. And so <laughs> it's a scary place for me to be. I don't go there very often. But yeah. someone will stick with you. And then there are, sometimes somebody will ask me about a recipe and I'll go, is that one of mine? And they'll go, yeah, forks over knives, page 212. I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you about, what do you, what's your opinion on cauliflower? I find cauliflower is kind of, it's, it's kind of the new kid on the block. It seems like it's really versatile. I mean, are you a fan of cauliflower? I um, created my first um, cream sauce for the Forks Ever Nice cookbook using cauliflower. Um, it, I use it to make one of the best lasagnas I've ever made. Oh. It's a cookbook. But I make a cauliflower bechamel, which is a, a white sauce using uh, cauliflower and a little bit of pine nuts and thyme and pinch of nutritional yeast. It's really, really creamy. It's really, really flavorful. And I'm a huge fan. It really is. Um, well, it's so funny you say that because I just happen to have that up here right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the rest of the ingredients right now. One large head of cauliflower cut into florets, about three cups. Unsweetened plain almond milk as needed, one medium yellow onion, peeled and diced small, two cloves of garlic, peeled and minced, two teaspoons of minced thyme, a quarter cup finely chopped basil, a quarter cup nu nutritional yeast, optional, uh, a quarter teaspoon ground nutmeg, and then salt and freshly ground black pepper to taste. So those are the ingredients. Add to a big old pot, uh, pot uh, add water to cover, bring to a boil over high heat, and cook uh, for about 10 minutes, and then drain the excess water. Man, yeah. that's a winner. That's good stuff. It's amazing stuff. You know what? It's, it's another one of those versatile recipes that you can do anything with. You toss it with pasta. You make lasagna with it. Throw it on a baked potato, whatever you want. Yeah. You know, use, it as a, um, use it as a thickener for taking and making a cream-based soup. Mm, mm. Mm. So very, very versatile. I, you know, I really try to teach that in my cooking of taking one recipe and knowing how to use it as a foundational place. And people in the beginning are a little more scared of that. But I think as they, as they go along in their journey, they start to see and understand that. Yeah. Um, do you ever do cauliflower steaks? That's kind of, or just like one of the things we do and my, my kids love them is we just take frozen cauliflower cutlets throw them on a parchment paper you know season them with you know nutritional yeast a little bit of bragg's liquid aminos throw them in there for 30 minutes at you know 350 375 we're diving in and that thing's done in four minutes i can't tell you what cookbook they're in but yeah. i did a cauliflower steak recipe somewhere in some cookbook <laughs> yeah and i serve it with a chimichurri sauce which is a green, like parsley and lemon kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, 
It's oh, you're inspired. This, this conversation is inspiring me to, <laughs> to, to make at least, you know, five or six of the, uh, the get, get out of the box, get out of the rut and do something a little bit different, huh? That's true. It's true. I mean, just to give you an example, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Ken Rubin on the podcast, you know, from the Ruby cooking school. Yeah. And he talked about this red lentil dal Ethiopian dish. I've had it four times since. <laughs> Yeah, I make one similar to his. It's they're it's delicious, right? Delicious. Yeah, good food and simple and simple. Well, I think that's kind of the the thing to start talking to people about is this isn't a complicated way of eating or cooking or living. Yeah, it does not have to be complicated. It's not about all day in the kitchen kind of because I don't do it. Yeah, yeah, and maybe uh, forty five minutes a day in the kitchen. Yeah, at the most. Wow. Um, <clears throat> Do you have a, a favorite pizza crust recipe that you recommend for people? There's a, a whole wheat crust in Better Than Vegan. It's, it's just, you know, your water, yeast, sea salt, pinch of sugar, and whole wheat bread flour. Yeah. Pizza crust, it's another one of those foundation recipes that I think that you can adapt however you want. Uh, in other words, you want about half of your flour in that recipe to be uh, a wheat flour because of the gluten. But yeah. then use the rest of it can be rye flour it can be uh, oh. flowers if you want uh, to make it more versatile but yeah I mean it's it's easy it's, it's a cup and a half of water and a package of dry yeast and a tablespoon of sugar just to activate your yeast yeah probably somewhere close to three cups of your whole wheat flour uh, and a teaspoon of salt to and you need that for seven or eight minutes and you got pie crust there do you do you uh, do you ever what do you think of oat flour? Do you use that at all in some of these things? No. Not really. And, and in part, I'm not gluten-free, but um, no, I, I, I haven't. Now, I've made yeah. things like uh, maybe an oat bar or something like that where you grind yeah. up the oats, but not, not so much. Yeah. I know that we, we've been using oat flour a lot lately for pancakes and waffles and stuff of that nature. Um, and uh, yeah, we... we and then like you, we're not gluten-free, but we like to say we're wheat, we're wheat proud. <laughs> uh, yeah, me, me too. Although, you know, and I'm, um, your, your mom and I talked about this once, the last time I talked to her about eating, I try to eat oatmeal every day for breakfast. I'm trying to keep those arteries cleaned out, you know, and she's, she's like, Del, can you eat oatmeal every day? I'm like, yeah, I get it. And, and I do, um, in part because of her, and, and I like, I grew up eating it, so I like it. I mean, so... So speaking of oatmeal and speaking of my mother, uh, do you have a favorite way of preparing your oatmeal? Do you like steel cut oats, old fashioned oats, oat groats? Cause there's, there's a, you know, a lot of variety there. I tend to be the regular rolled oats guy. Um, now there are those that say those are processed and you don't get as much benefit from the, you know what? There's yeah. a lot of fiber in those oats one way or another. They do the job. I yeah. think they're meant to do. So I, I usually take about a cup of water or no, half a cup of water and a cup of oats yeah. and put a little bit of cinnamon in there and a pinch of salt and let those cook for five minutes and I'm done. Right. It's right. a simple, easy, easy breakfast. And I pour almond milk over it and some, sometimes maple syrup or sometimes some uh, fresh uh, fruit or whatever, but I tend to like it kind of simple. All right. I got just like one or two more food-related questions, and then I want to I want to dive into you and your your journey. Um, 
So my, when my mother Ann found out that you and I were going to be talking today, she went back, she must have sent me, no exaggeration, eight different emails for, that you guys had exchanged over the last probably six, seven, eight years and just everyone, she's like, oh my gosh, Dell is the sweetest human being on the face of the planet. <clears throat> but she wanted me to ask you this question. This is from Ann. What is Dell's favorite best suggestion for a no nuts, low sodium sauce? You can take either, if, if I were making one today, I would use my cheese sauce recipe and leave mm. the rest out of it. There's, there's no, no reason you have to have it. What makes that, that sauce creamy is you take that starchy potato yeah. and puree it in a blender and it gets creamy on its own. The bechamel sauce, the cauliflower bechamel sauce, might even be better. Um, you can leave the nuts out of that. That cauliflower gets creamy on its own with a little help. So those would be two good ones for me. Good, gotcha. Um, what about your not so fat guacamole that you have? I love that recipe because you take, um, you, you know, I can't eat a lot of avocado. Yeah, it, it's it literally makes my stomach a little bit uh, unhappy. So I, I use um, in some recipes I'll use some broccoli in place of some of the avocado, steam it, and then puree that all together, and then add your guacamole flavorings, your uh, uh, your cumin or your uh, lemon juice or whatever, and it's delicious. And I think you also use some edamame in that in that recipe. Edamame too, yeah, either one. Yeah. Um, gives you a, a, a healthier version of guacamole. I, I'm, I'm amazed at how much avocado people can eat. <laughs> Maybe it's just my age, but my body, yeah, are you, well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can pound it. Difference. You probably go out and will burn it off in the first hour of exercise later, you know? For me, it's just sort of sitting there. Yeah, yeah. And what about peas? Peas also work uh, as a... Uh, yeah, they're a little stronger think? flavor, but once you season them, sure. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Um, let's dive in. Let's dive into Dell for a sec. So okay. I know... I know um, I think you said you've been vegetarian slash vegan for, gosh, what, over 22 years now? Since right? uh, 1997. So how old is that? 20, yeah, 23. Years. Yeah. Almost 23 years. Yeah. And um, would it be fair to say that your, your, your health has kind of waxed and weaned over the years? Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it has a lot. Um, I first went vegan in 1997 and gained 200 pounds. And it's... Yeah people out when I say that, but you know, I opened a bakery and I went to work a hundred hours a week running in a bakery and making bread and some really amazing pastries every day. And uh, that's where I found myself. Right. And, and you, you start, you give up self care to take on some projects. Mm. It's like you'll, you'll rescue your child first before putting the mask on to save yourself. And that's kind of what I did. And so three years later, I was 200 pounds heavier. Four years after I opened it, I quit. Um, so, yeah. It's, for health reasons? Is that why? Reasons, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And um, I used to get up at, at 1 o'clock on Saturday mornings at this market that we were in and start baking bread. And I would work till 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock the next afternoon and then go home and, and just die and crash. Right. 
And so it was just a, it was a, a really not very fun way to do anything. No, no. Uh, so that, that was the beginning of that part of a, a, a very different journey. The next four years, I was home. I did a personal chef service. So I would deliver meals three days a week and then uh, spend the rest of the time recovering from working because I weighed almost 500 pounds. And believe me, it's not easy to do much of anything at 500 pounds. Uh, I did that for... Um, can, I, can, I, can I ask you this though? So how, how do you get to 500 pounds? I mean, do you, do you know how you got there? Is it just, are you just like eating I, copious amounts of diff, like... I, I, yeah, I, I think it's eating the wrong, uh, not necessarily even copious amounts, but a lot of the wrong foods. Yeah. And we talk about calorie density all the time. But if you think about, I had, to, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my favorite recipes in the bakery was this thing called a dream bar. The dream bar is a shortbread crust with homemade caramel, chocolate chips, coconuts, and pecans all layered <laughs> into a bar. Now, listen, a, a bar about this size. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I finally did the nutritional information on it was 550 calories and 65 grams of fat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that's how that happens, right? It, it doesn't take much. And we know the body loves to store fat. It's, it's an easy, easy thing to do. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, yeah. I, I remember, and even this last time, we can talk about that too, the last time that I gained a lot of weight, which happened in the past couple of years, I, I remember waking up one day and going, what happened? When did this happen? It's, it's not like I was looking at every pound and going, oh, another, gained another pound a day, which maybe I should have been, right? So, so did you, um, is this something is in, in your mind as simple as you just being caught in <clears throat> the pleasure trap where you just like gravitate towards these more calorie dense I think once you're in that mode, yes. I think that um, the attractiveness of of rich foods and high flavored foods is hard to ignore. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it, it's easily, easily it. And so, um, I mean, you've you've you worked at the William Wellness Forum. You know Pam Popper. You know, I mean, you know. I think the answers and the solution. Um, and I can tell you there's certain items that I can't, I don't want to have in my house because if they're there, I'm going to be drawn to them like a moth to flame. So, but knowing what you know, is it fair to say that the pull or the draw to those foods is so strong that you still have them in your house? No. Um, it, you'd be surprised at how clean my house is if you came over here now. What, is accessible is is the age of delivery okay um and i live in and columbus is a food city much like austin is and there are 200 rest, restaurants that could be delivered to my door in less than an hour and most of them have vegan options yep. not healthy vegan options but vegan options yep so i can remember i can sit on my couch which is four feet away from the door plug that phone app, order dinner, and get up and go to the door and get it and sit back down and there I am. Yeah. And that happened. It was a I burn out when I left the wellness forum, um, I was so burnt out that I literally sat on this couch for two years. 
you know, staring at the wall some days and just exhausted, not realizing. I think that's one of the keys that you have to tune into is this isn't just about the food choices that you make, but the mental construct that allows you to give yourself permission to do that day in and day out, even when it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what year did you leave the, uh, the wellness forum? Uh, two, two years ago. So 2018 in October, September. Hmm. And you, I, I mean, so you, so you were working, let me tell me if this is correct. You were working at the wellness forum and you wrote those cookbooks. Yes. Oh my goodness gracious. I would get up at six o'clock in the morning when I got the contract for forks over knives and I would uh, get up and write recipes and, and all of that. I'd go into work around 9 or 10 a.m. and work until whenever, and then come home and edit and test recipes until 11 o'clock at night. That's what, – what, what do you think was driving you so hard? Well, I, I, one, there was a really nice contract staring me in the face and a deadline. And Brian – it's funny. Brian and I, uh, several years later, had this conversation – and, and he goes, because, you know, his, his friend and partner, Darshana, wrote yeah. her first cookbook and spent a year and a half writing it or something like that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, how did she get a year and a half to write this cookbook? And I got 90 days. He goes, well, why didn't you say something? I'm like, because I didn't know. Yeah. And yeah. I had no, I'm like, okay, 90 days is how you write a cookbook. Yeah. So it, it, and, it and I paid the price for it. Uh, you know, I was doing my day job and doing that too. And man, that was, well, well, so that's, so you have the luxury now where you don't have to be, you know, slugging it out at the, at the wellness forum. You're not having to write another cookbook. So what is like getting you back right to where you want to be health wise? What does that look like? Do you have a game plan? Do you have a strategy? Yeah. In fact, you know, I, I've been bragging to, um, my, my Facebook Live page, uh, that I, I may be the only person on Facebook who has not gained weight during this whole quarantine session. Um, I've really put the energy into, one, getting back in the kitchen. It's part of why I created my Facebook Live page. It's like, look, if I go in and cook for people on a period, then I have healthy food to eat, right? And, and I guarantee you, you can't gain weight on my cooking. It's, it's, it's oil-free, yep. whole foods cooking. Um, and so starting to do that really started to make a difference. And I've been really, really committing myself to one, a routine, um, which I've never really had before and I'm not really good at. So I know that every day I'm going to eat a great big salad. I'm going to eat oatmeal for breakfast. I'm going to eat a great big salad for lunch. And then I've been, what is, what is, what does that salad look like? What do you like? Um, five ounce bags of, um, like romaine lettuce or mixed greens or somehow, and they have shredded carrots and cabbage in them. Yep. And then I add usually chickpeas and red onion. I've got an herb garden out back, so there might be some fresh herbs that go in there. Um, um, what else do I add to that? Sometimes do a, pepper. Do you have a favorite salad dressing you put on there? Well, I my friend, our buddy Chef AJ, just sent me a sample of um, one of those balsamic vinegars, and it was a curry flavor, and I'm in love. <laughs> it's salad dressing all by its own. But, you know, when I did one of your events, yes. uh, 
a, a vinegar place there, and I bought a case of this cilantro and roasted garlic vinegar. Yeah. I use that as my salad dressing all the time. Yeah, it's, ama it's amazing what they're doing with vinegars these days and, and, how, and how versatile and useful they can be. They're, it's amazing. I love it. I love yeah. it because you get all the flavor and none of the guilt. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So, okay, I'm sorry, I cut you off. You were talking about your know, big salad, oatmeal for breakfast, and then what about dinner? Dinners have become quick stir fries. Um, now, every now and then, like, you know, last week, it's getting warm here in Ohio. Not Austin warm, but it's getting warm for me. And so there's less cooking going on. But last week when I was cooking, I'd make a big pot of chili. Um, I make a black bean chili. And I'll sit and eat that until it's gone a couple of days. Um, uh, but I make stir fry a lot. And it's usually a stir fry rice with whatever vegetables I have on hand. And just a little simple sauce. Um, there's yeah. a great Chinese brown sauce in the Forks Ever Nice cookbook that I make and use uh, all the time. I know. When you... When you uh, came to our, our live event, I think it might have been in Pasadena or someplace, you made, I think it was a pineapple tofu stir fry with the brown sauce. And then you're like, if anybody wants to come up and, oh my gosh, people stampeded. It was gone in less than you know, 30 seconds and everybody was like, I need more. Yeah, yeah. But I do that. I, make, I mean, I think it's such a quick and easy dish. And if you're burnt out on cooking like I can be, uh, stir fry is a 15-minute dinner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then what? Yeah. Fresh fruit in the house right now. Um, so if at night I get hungry, um, I'll, I'll eat some fruit before I go to bed. Right. What's your, what's your fruit of choice? I would eat, um, I call it the Brian Wendell diet. I would eat bananas until I die, but <laughs> um, I love pineapple too. Um, right. Yeah. What do you, are you a fan of frozen fruit? Cause I, I got a pile of frozen fruit. That's a mile high in our freezer. I love it. You know what? It's like dessert. Yeah. Take a piece of frozen mango or pineapple out and to, to chew on that. Yeah. I'm all in for that. Let me, I'll back up a little bit about where my health is. Um, sitting on the couch for two years in that exhaustion was probably the worst mistake. Um, before I left the wellness forum, the year before that, I had been working out with a trainer four days a week, had lost a hundred pounds. I was down to 275 pounds. Wow. Uh, I was almost, I was able to run for the first time in, in decades. Um, and then it stopped one day. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was part of the burnout or whatever it was, but that, that stopped. And I think the weight gain, gain started happening and the whole mental thing just went kaput. And I had a virtually a practical nervous breakdown one day and realized I needed to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, but coming home and sitting, sitting for two years wasn't the right idea because now I'm dealing with, I've been working with a physical therapist to uh, heal back pain mm -hmm. and get myself back to a place where I can be physically active. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's, uh, do you know what your weight is these days? Uh, right around 400. So I'm, I'm 100 pounds less than my highest weight. Right. And grateful that I never made it back there. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I could weigh 500 pounds again without a wheelchair. Right. Yeah, because right. I'm closer to 60 than I am to 20 now. <laughs> big, big difference in what the body allows at this age. Yeah. So what, what would you say? What would you say? So somebody that's that's kind of in your your shoes right now, they're they're you know over 100 pounds overweight. 
Um, you know, their health is deteriorated. They may be staring at maybe pre-diabetes or, you know, hypertension, high cholesterol, maybe even heart disease, something like this. What, what's, what, are, and maybe you've talked about it, but what's the big lesson here? Like what's, what's the strategy? Is it finding a routine and like accountability I, I, or? I think the one thing that people make the mistake of doing that I've made most of my life is, um, wanting immediate results and wanting it all to happen all at once. Mm. You've got to take this one day at a, at a time, right? You, you've got to know what dinner is going to be tonight and find someone to cook for you, find someone to work with, find someone to share a meal with or whatever you need to do, but mm. put a plan together and then wash, rinse and repeat. What are you most excited about right now? You know, it, it's, it's uh, almost it's almost June 2020. We've been in you know kind of quarantine now for a couple months. Uh, what's 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 ahead for you? I've got projects um, in the works, and and I'm excited about about what comes to the forefront. Um, so it 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 seems that I, that's just always going to be my nature is to have something going on. Yeah. Um, I think one of them that's going to happen sooner than later is uh, my own online cooking school. Um, I, I think that my perspective on cooking uh, is unique and I think I have something to offer and I love teaching. Um, so I think I'm going to make that happen. And I think I can do that um, sooner than later. Wow. So, you know what? I, th I think that, that that sounds fantastic. I wish you all the well with it, all the best with that. And I, um, I look forward to um, if it happens, sending a lot of people your way. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Mandel, I appreciate the time today. I know that people are going to just fall off their chairs with all the great information. I want to thank you for sharing, you know, kind of your, your journey and some of your own personal struggles uh, because uh, I think every one of us in some way has our own struggles that we're, that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So thank you for that. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you doing what you do. I think getting the word out there, however we do it, that's important stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's do our, our sign-off together, okay? So follow, repeat after me. Peace, okay. peace, peace, engine two. Engine two. Plan strong. Give me a fist bump. Plan strong. Man. <laughs> Amen. All right, well, we'll see you. All right, take care. Okay, I hope you fired up that oven because I bet – you're ready to roast some delicious and loving food after this chat with Chef Del Shroff. Much love and respect to you, Del, and thank you for your timeless contributions to the plant-based movement. You, my friend, have the heart of a hero, and your books and recipes have literally changed the lives of millions of people. We continue to support you on your own journey back to health and uh and know that we're rooting for you Dell. next week we continue the theme of healthy journeys but it's all about our pets pet adoptions have skyrocketed as people have sought out companionship during COVID-19 the stories are heartwarming and we want to make sure we extend that love and health to your new furry family member or your old furry family member I'll be speaking with Dr. Ernie Ward, veterinarian and author of The Clean Pet Food Revolution, 
how better pet food will change the world. Until then, remember, it all comes back to love and empathy for yourself and each other. We're all in this together. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.